0: Welcome to Holistic Happy Hour, a safe space to learn, grow, and chat all things health and wellness. This episode is literally going to blow your mind. It's going to expose you to new concepts that change the way you think about supplementation and the root cause of your health issues – Try to keep an open mind as we explore Morley Robbins' medical evidence-based research that goes against the mainstream medical narrative. In this episode, we cover what the root cause protocol is, the stops and starts, the role of the spleen, Morley's take on Jamie's health challenges, the different types of magnesium, the lack of consensus around iron deficiency anemia, and the misinformation about copper. This is part one of a two part series. Be sure to check out the next episode with Morley as we discuss his thoughts on vitamin C and D, anti aging serums, and the most common deficiency that Morley sees. A quick note before we get started if you're listening right now, thank you. If you would like to become a part of the Holistic Happy Hour gang, hit that subscribe button or connect with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Holistic Happy Hour pod underscore and TikTok at Holistic Happy Hour Pod. Our guest today is Morley Robbins, also known as the Magnesium Man. Morley is the creator of the Root Cause Protocol and the Magnesium Advocacy Group. And he's on a mission to help people understand the critical role magnesium and other minerals play in our bodies. With a background in biology and an MBA in healthcare administration, Morley combines his knowledge in wellness coaching, nutritional counseling, functional diagnostic nutrition to explore the intricate relationship between magnesium iron copper and calcium his journey started when he faced a personal health challenge that led him to question conventional medicine and explore alternative approaches we are going to discuss his most recent book cure your fatigue the root cause and how to fix it on your own morley has been helping countless individuals find relief from various health issues by getting to the root cause of their symptoms and we are so excited to have the opportunity to talk to him today on the show. To kick it off, I wanted to ask you, Morley, what experiences, whether it's from your childhood or later in life, led you down this path and shaped you into the person you are today.
1: Great! I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. You know, even as a even as a young child, there was a normative drive in me about the way, what. What's the way the world should be? I grew up in a very stressed out family, a lot of illness, a lot of trauma. And I think that kind of threw me into a, what's right, what, what would make sense <laughs> under normal circumstances. And I was always looking for that. And even when I got into the strategic planning work that I did with hospitals and stuff, I wasn't just drawn to make hospitals bigger. I was trying to make them better. And, and that—that's not being pejorative. It just, you know, there's there's this drive to want to always grow an organization, but, you know, to, to what end? Why why are we doing this? And. I think what what happened with the uh, the frozen shoulder—that's the—that's the traumatic event of twenty years of pulling a suitcase behind my back. Um, you know, I couldn't lift my hand above my waist. It was I was miserable. So that got me to my now wife, Dr. Liz, who's a chiropractor. And she used a phrase. Um, she, talked, she was talking about the innate healer. And I was like, I didn't say anything to her. At the time. I'm thinking, well, if there's an innate healer, why do we have millions of doctors around the world? It d- didn't make sense to me. And that's what really sparked my research to say, who is the innate healer? What, what is it? What, you know? How, where does it reside in our body? And that's really um, the culmination of that book. You know, Cure Your Fatigue is just a chance to bring it all together. And I, I think in my little world that I've created, uh, it's bioavailable copper. And people, most people think that copper is a toxin. You know, oh, you know, you're anemic, you're copper toxic. That's the, the meme that drives uh, medicine. And in fact, it's just the opposite. Most of us are on iron overload because we don't have enough copper to run our body. Copper has a magnetic attraction for sunlight and a magnetic attraction for ammonia. And the reason why that's important is they represent the beginning and end of life. Sunlight starts the process and ammonia ends the process. And copper is right there. And it's just... I don't know, I, I, my wife and I read a, a Rumi quote per day, and my favorite is the one that talks about, we began life as a mineral. Well, I know I was copper at one, one point in my life. So I think that's really what drove it. It's just this desire for what's right, what's normal, what's healthy, what's optimal. And the more I dug, Jamie, I found that copper was was in the center of all these different functions that seemed to be struggling in most people's body. And so then I just started to piece it together and began to see a a very different pattern than I think is typically represented in in the healing circles. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I I had an opportunity years ago to spend a day with, he's a very successful, famous consultant for the natural food industry, alternative healing industry. His name is Michael Greenberg. Brilliant, brilliant guy. And um, he said, really, what you're going to find is everyone wants to know what's new. What's new? He's always asking me, Michael, what's new? He said, what I've learned to do is ask what's enduring. And that day together got me to ask a different question. What was life like on planet Earth before there was oxygen? because there was a time when there was no oxygen. And now, of course, it's 21% of our atmosphere. But but the point is, there was a time before oxygen. And the reason why we're here, the reason why higher life forms exist on this planet, the reason why we're using these fancy devices, computers and and, um, these communication platforms, is higher intelligence requires more energy. And the only way we could do that was to use copper to oxidize our fuel. And so we went from fermentation to oxidation, and everything changed as a result of that. So people don't understand copper's role because they don't understand the catalytic role that it played to allow higher life forms. And in that process, it created what are called multi-copper oxidases. And they turn oxygen into water to release energy. Can't live without those buggers. They created melatonin. You've heard of it. It's a sleep aid, right? <laughs> no, it's, a, it's the master antioxidant that runs our, our mitochondria. And we have a modest 40 quadrillion mitochondria in our body. And, and you can't make melatonin without copper. And then we have this pesky little molecule, again, going all the way back to the great oxygen event called cholesterol. It's been on the planet for a long time. (laughs) It doesn't cause disease, but it rises in our body in the state of copper deficiency. And so we've known that since the early 70s, and there's just a lot of confusion about copper's real metabolic role on the planet.
0: That brings me back to a point that I want to talk about later, about how oxygen wasn't around before. And Mm -hmm. with the introduction of oxygen, how could we possibly be iron deficient when iron is the most plentiful resource on the earth? And so I want to talk a little bit about that. But before we get into that, can we talk about your happy hour drink? What is your drink today? And can you tell us the benefits?
1: Well, it's, it's the adrenal cocktail. And um, we, we regularly talk about it on the uh, Root Cause Protocol. And really what it does is it nourishes the um, adrenal glands. And uh, it's based on very simple components. Coconut water it's a great source of potassium. Some sea salt, uh, fresh-squeezed lime, which a great source of uh, vitamin C, real vitamin C, not foo-foo synthetic uh, ascorbic acid and um and you can you can boost it up with some more vitamin c from like fiq or uh, innate response or somebody else that makes the 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 real the real deal and um, it's just a great way to to feed the adrenals they they tend to get very tuckered out if they don't have access to minerals they love they love minerals they love especially potassium and sodium and magnesium. They love vitamin C. What I've come to learn is that any condition that begins with the letter A, like anemia, adrenal fatigue, acne, you know, going down the, the, uh, the list, uh, it's usually a sign of, of low vitamin A, low retinol in your diet. And retinol is not beta carotene. Uh, it takes 12 beta-carotene to equal one unit of retinol. So it's, it's called a, a retinol equivalency unit. And so uh, retinol is vastly absent in the modern diet.
0: When you refer to beta-carotene, what are you referring to so that people understand?
1: Well, beta-carotene would be carrots. A lot of people think of beta, when they think of orange, they're thinking beta-carotene. Um— but what, what our body really runs on is retinol. And, um, you know, it's just a, it's a very, the, there are hormones that come out of retinol. They're called retinoic acid. And there's four of them. And they're very powerful. And in my uh, work that I've done, in my research, I would um, confidently say that retinol is probably 100 times more important than vitamin D. And that's a very heretical thing to say, but I don't think people realize how skewed our thinking is because of the overwhelming um, dominance around vitamin D and all of the verbiage around that. So I just, I, I look at it differently and I study it differently and I find really important dimensions of research to support a broader view.
0: Yep, and that um, point about vitamin D, we'll touch on that later, that in the relationship with retinol. But before we do, I'm going to quickly go over the ingredients that you use in your adrenal mocktail. So, Morley's using Vita coconut water, and you can use any low sugar coconut water, a half of an organic lime juice. He is using Formula IQ's Whole Food Vitamin C tablet. And a pinch of Redmond sea salt, but you could substitute with any high-quality sea salt. Right. Today, I'm having a, a splash of OJ, which I don't always nice. do. I, I really need some protein to balance it out. I added Jigsaw Adrenal Cocktail Mix. Good. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about this, too. hmm are you like familiar with the differences between pasteurized and unpasteurized? And I, I'm using a refrigerated coconut water. It, being unpasteurized, it's supposed to contain, you know, some more healthy bacteria. I just wasn't sure if you had any opinions on that. If you can
1: find it, go for it. it <clears throat> I think it's, it's a better form, but you can't always find it, at least where, where we are. But it's an. I think it's actually superior. Anytime, anytime you can get something unpasteurized, you're going to be better off. There was research done back in the 20s by Dr. Pepper, and they wanted to know when do people need a, a break, a perk, and it, there it was uh, done. In, it was the adrenal drop times are 10 10 in the morning and mid afternoon, either two or four o'clock in the afternoon. That's when people needed that little boost, and so they came up with this sugary drink called Dr. Pepper uh, to get people back in the game. Of course, it was horrible adrenals, but we weren't supposed to know that. But that was the original origin of the adrenal drop times. It's fascinating.
2: Wow. Who would have known? That's awesome. I know. I uh, Jamie knows this, but I'm someone who suffers from PTSD slash adrenal fatigue, so I've been drinking these for quite some time. Um, and we can jump into some of that more later in the episode. We talk about magnesium and all the other nutrients and such. But happy to be having one here with me.
1: <laughs> well, let me let me blow your mind. Please do. We are trained like circus bears. Have you ever seen a circus bear?
2: Yes, okay. back in the day.
1: <laughs> okay, the pink tutu riding the bike. Right? Yes. Okay, so we're the, we're the little bear riding the bike. And we know that under stress, it's our adrenal glands that take it on the chin, right? Mm-hmm. HPA axis, hypothalamus yep. pituitary adrenal. We know that. And we're supposed to just HPA, right? Yeah. Guess who's taking it on the chin under stress? Especially PTSD stress. It's the, our spleen. Minerals?
2: the spleen. Oh, the spleen. Okay. Tell me more. Time.
1: Well, it's, it, I'm just dig- digging into it now. I was talking with um, Brian Artis, whose notoriety is around venom. And, um, but he's, he's an expert around the spleen. He cured his sister of lupus, and he cured his daughter of asthma by focusing on their spleen, which is really amazing. Wow. But, but the thing is, there's a a term called chronic social defeat. Stress, CSDS, or it can also be called repeated social defeat stress, RSDS, and it's these are mouse models for creating depression. And guess where the source of depression is? Hmm. It's called melancholy. And it goes all the way back to the Middle Ages. They knew that the spleen was the source of melancholy the black bile wow i mean it's it's absolutely fascinating what happens when the spleen gets tuckered down when it gets wow. stressed out and so i think it's i think it's a equally important organ to study under stress because of its profound influence over iron recycling and the immune system it's known as the hidden organ. Mm. Knows about it. It's yeah. also known as the organ of odd numbers. One, three, five, seven, nine, and eleven. It's one inch, one inch thick, three inches wide, five inches long, seven ounces in weight, and it hides behind ribs nine through eleven.
2: <laughs> wow, that's interesting because I've only heard of spleen when I go see my a- uh, acupuncturist. But yeah. I've never heard of it outside of Chinese medicine.
1: No, I know that's that's the amazing part. Well, my my sister had lupus, I and mean, she's she's no longer with us. She passed away several years ago. She she was never able to have children. And I always wondered why she couldn't have kids. Well, well, Brian pointed out. He said they put her on meds that burned out her ovaries. They they used, and I'm like, oh my god! I, I mean, when he told me that the medication, I can't think of it right now. I remember my sister taking that, and so it's so it's just it's like there's so so much important information that hasn't been connected the right way. But when we're talking about cocktails, mocktails to support the adrenals, we also got it. We've got to start thinking about the spleen because it's it's really really important, and it's going to come up in one of your questions. Is is there a lack of consensus about? iron and iron deficiency and there's just it's like two two clashing worlds one of narrative and one of nature and they don't they don't connect at all and i'm happy to to build on that but i think it's a really important area so i'm just happy to have this chance to chat with you guys
0: so let's hop into a little bit about my background because before this episode um I got to talk to Morley and give him some background on my physical and emotional history. So I'm going to go ahead and just kind of let you guys in on that. I've felt off for the majority of my life. Some of the symptoms that I've experienced include leaky gut, fatigue, constipation, reoccurring UTIs, anxiety, depression, which I think is related to birth control pill usage, dry skin and eczema bloating, congestion, issues winding down for sleep, and heart palpitations while I was on thyroid meds, which I am no longer on. And these are, by the way, this is a comprehensive list. (laughs) This isn't all at once, Um, but definitely um, a lot of these correlate with Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. And a lot of people, I think that, I think Morley has said a lot of people with mineral imbalances also have hypothyroidism, magnesium deficiencies. It's kind of a... um, A symptom there. And so some of the things that I'm still struggling with are, you know, it was after transitioning off the birth control pill, I would actually get sleep apnea. And then current day, you know, I still have times of insomnia. I've I've recovered a lot. I've I've repaired my adrenals quite a bit. And I think my hormones are, are balancing out. But I still sometimes have some chest tightness and some other things. So I shared my hair mineral analysis and some blood work with Morley. And I just kind of wanted to give some insight into somebody that has mineral imbalances and are presenting these symptoms, what you might have seen or recommended.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great, great question. And what's really striking, Jamie, is you're just a puppy what what is your age
0: I'm 28
1: okay all right I'm, I'm 70 you know? and <laughs> uh, and when I was 28 I was I've had about as much energy as I have now but um, I can't imagine being your age and be struggling with all those conditions that, that, that would be really debilitating and so I think it's important for people to realize that um, minerals that passed from mom to baby through the generations. And when I'm talking to someone like you, you know, just a, a ute, who's struggling with a lot of different symptoms, I know there's been a mineral blockage going back several generations, maybe four or five generations. And do you, do you have siblings? I seem to recall you had a, like a
0: brother or something? Yes, I have an older brother.
1: Older brother. That's what I thought. And then... Um, does your mom have siblings?
0: My mom has a sister and a brother.
1: And where is she in that picking order?
0: She is the youngest.
1: Okay, so I would have predicted that. And so the, the sickest person I ever consulted with was the 10th child of the 10th child. There was an Amish woman, you know, grew up in the Amish culture, and she was a real... Hurt and Cowboy. And so a, a, a mother gives up 10% of her mineral mass with each child. And people don't think about if they're in multiple situations, multiple birth situations. Um, you know, Prior to 1900, there was a different food system, very different food system. And there, there may have been bigger families, but they had better food. And uh, at the end of the day, the, the mom needs to rebuild minerals for the next child, the next child, uh, while she's in those childbearing years. In the modern era, people don't even think about it. They've, women tend to wait until later in their life because they they want to get their career established, which makes perfect sense. And they're in a very stressed out environment, typically. And then they want to start having babies while well, they're they're mentally challenged, and so this is a this is a real common situation around the world. You're, you're, unfortunately, Jamie, you're not unusual. And what what happens is, especially when someone is young, who's who's hanging out with people their age, and their their friends are bouncing off the walls, and they're trying struggling to get out of bed, they think they're doing something wrong, so they start to have doubt about themselves, have doubt about. Life and it starts to kind of become a uh, an incestuous circle of of um, breakdown, and so when I started to do this work, I knew that stress was a critical factor. Because it it burns up minerals, especially magnesium and copper. So under acute stress, you know, in a car accident, we have a real f- fight with our spouse, or whatever whatever the flashpoint is, we have a lousy meal. Magnesium goes right into the toilet. It's just the way we're wired as a species. If you have chronic stress, go back to 2020. That's chronic stress. That's Actually, I think COVID was a perfect example of chronic social defeat stress. Perfect example. And what does chronic stress do? It triggers adrenaline and cortisol out the yin-yang, and adrenaline is a um, supercharger system to force oxygen into the mitochondria and iron that's carrying the oxygen. So it's, you're, you're driving up iron as well as oxygen. And cortisol. What does cortisol do? Cortisol increases uh, the production of metallothionine four to fivefold. Metallothionine is a very powerful protein that binds up copper a thousand times stronger than it binds up zinc. So basically under chronic stress, you're taking copper offline and you're removing it from the equation. And think of it this way. Mother nature is not being evil. Mother nature is wondering whether you can handle your life. And so it starts to take you offline. It starts to take off your ability to make energy because at the end of the day, Um, we're always going to have stress in our lives. As long as we're above ground, we're going to have stress. Stress stops the day they lower our casket into the ground. And so there's always going to be, as I call it, a magnesium burn rate, always going to be stress. And the best definition for stress that I ever came across was by Mark Hyman, famed functional doctor at the Cleveland Clinic. Stress is the body's inability to make energy for the mind to respond to its environment. It's a beautiful definition of what stress is. And Jamie, you've been in a state of stress most of your life. And so what what the root cause protocol is designed to do, and it's laid, the, the book, uh, Cure Your Fatigue, is laid out. The first half is what's the problem. How do we get here? And the back half is what's the solution. There's stops and starts, and and I guess time willing, we'll we'll be able to get into those. But the the point is, the whole goal of the uh, RCP is to help nourish your metabolic pathways to make energy. Because there is a blueprint for staying in balance, staying in homeostasis. And that blueprint requires energy. And so you have basically two schools of of healing on the planet. The ancient Ayurvedic medicine, um, Native American Indian medicine, Egyptian healing, things like that, traditional Chinese medicine, are based on strengthening the host. And they have for millennia of millennia. Modern era, is based on attacking the guest. And they don't worry about the second and third order effects of medications antibiotics or ace inhibitors and all these different medications and uh, proton pump inhibitors and people don't realize what what that's doing but it's it's not doing anything to strengthen their host it's not doing anything to strengthen their ability to make energy and so within the rcp we ignore the enemies and we ignite the energy. And what we've learned is that as you begin to bring those nutrients into the body to make energy like magnesium and bioavailable copper and cod liver oil and B vitamins and uh, elements of that nature, the lights go back on. And suddenly the body is able to communicate with itself. When I'm working with clients like yourself, Jamie, I, I focus on understanding their stress mosaic. Where, where did all this stress come from? I really want to know what, what kind of food you eat and what do you do to deal with your stress? How do you release your stress? I don't want to hear about prayer. I don't want to hear about you know yoga, things like that. Walks, that's fine. That's beautiful. That's not getting rid of the, the, the mountain of stress that's inside your psyche. And there are specific programs like Emotional Freedom Technique or Emotion Code or Body Code or EMDR. These are very important techniques to release the fear that we have that we're broken because that's, that's part of what's playing in the background of your psyche. And then I get people turned on to the, the stops and the starts. It's a, it's a very simple program, but it takes discipline to follow through. Like, like anything else. But it's it's based, it, it, at the end of the day, I stole it from Mother Nature. It's really simple principles. And my overriding objective was to make more energy and ultimately make more bioavailable copper, which is called ceruloplasmin. It's a pro- copper protein that I'm sure you, you're familiar with. But again, no practitioner that you know knows what it is and that should make everyone a little nervous That there's there's a whole world there's a whole paradigm of healing back to you know back to copper at the top that nobody knows about and with, within traditional chinese medicine copper is called the general and iron is called the foot soldier or the grunt you know here in the, here in the states by law You can only have 242 generals, and by law, 440,000 grunts. That's pretty much the way it works in our body with copper and iron. You know, copper's like the general. It's got more stars on its shoulder. What are stars made out of? Brass. What's brass made out of? Copper. Ding, ding, ding. And so there's 100 milligrams of copper, which is very tiny. It fits on the head of a one-inch stick pen and we have 5000 milligrams of iron so a 50 to 1 ratio it's much bigger than the, than the army but it's an enormous differential and yet the general runs the show and then we'll talk more about that when we get to is there a difference of opinion about iron metabolism
0: just to summarize and get a easy to understand digestible form for people that are listening Stress, chronic stress binds copper and dysregulates iron, is kind of what the main point of what you were saying there, right? Very well and said. then you, with the root cause protocol, um, you guys start by repairing the body and not trying to kill the parasite or the bacteria or the mold.
1: No, no. Again, the, the, the detox, most detoxes require energy. Most people don't have enough energy to get through the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a very different approach. Now, if we get into a a really, um, we get into a stuck situation, then we're going to go after pathogens, but that's not our first strike.
0: Yeah. So like traditionally, or maybe conventional medicine will provide the antibiotic or the parasite Mm -hmm. cleanse or whatever, whereas you strengthen the body where the body maybe has a better ability to deal with those things that it's capable of dealing with when it's in a healthy metabolical state.
1: That's exactly right. No, okay. you're absolutely right.
0: Can we have like a sixty second brief just mentioning some of the starts and the stops so that people can get an idea of the root cause protocol? <laughs> I'm challenging you.
1: That's all right. So the <laughs> listeners the listeners need to put on their seatbelt now. <laughs> this is gonna this be some there's gonna <laughs> be some whiplash here. So stops. Stop taking iron supplements. Stop taking calcium. Stop taking vitamin D. Ding, ding, ding. It's not your friend. You know, no one's ever asked the question, why is my vitamin D low? It's just, oh, it's low, I need more D. Body doesn't work that way. <clears throat> stop taking ascorbic acid. You know, st- Stop taking B vitamins out of a bottle. They're, they're, they're made from coal tar derivatives. There's 10,000 chemicals in t- coal tar derivatives guess what? Only 5,000 of them have names. I find that a fascinating statistic. 5,000 have names. How do they know what the other 5,000 are? In any event, um, we've been led down a primrose path thinking that what what they sell at GMC or Whole Foods or whatever is okay. Not necessarily. You know, you have to be really careful. And what, what I've learned over the years is people will spend a fortune on car oil for their car, and then they'll drive down the street to Walmart to buy their supplements. And what I get to them to do is flip that. Spend a fortune on your supplements, get the best engineered supplements you can, and just buy plastic oil for your car. It runs just as well. So it, it's a it's a very different way to think about it. So the stops are really calling to question some of the most venerated um, nutrients that we, we take regularly, and we just like no stop. They're not they're not doing what you think they're doing. What we encourage people to do in the starts is nourish your adrenals. You know, make make sure that you're getting the the minerals and the whole food vitamin C to support your minerals. Make sure that you're getting source of bioavailable copper, it's hard to find it in the food system now. It really is. Because of the impact that glyphosate has worldwide. It's not just here in the States. That's really what what led me to to create Recuperate because I was just frustrated beyond belief that there wasn't a good form of bioavailable copper. We need cod liver oil. But not just any cod liver oil. Don't, Don't go to the health food store and just grab whatever they happen to have on the shelf. they are, are only a few that we recommend. Formula IQ has a really good one. I call that the Mercedes. Rosita's, that's, that's the Rolls Royce. Well, a lot of people are happy with the Mercedes and don't need a Rolls. But the thing is, what you really want in your fish oils is exceptional quality. Now, what will throw people for a loop is... We don't encourage essential fatty acids, that's back in the stocks list, stop taking the essential fatty acids. But the thing is, people don't realize how important it is to mobilize our energy, mobilize our mitochondria, and it doesn't take a lot. And then what? one of the, um, so in the cognitive oil, the reason why that's so important is you're getting both retinol and vitamin D, but in proper ratios, 10 to 1 really really good and you want whole food vitamin C not ascorbic acid so think of vitamin C as a car excuse me it's got an engine steering wheel four wheels and a cover and that's pretty much the description of the vitamin C molecule ascorbic acid which is made do you know it's made GMO corn and sulfuric acid Mm, doesn't that sound good And there's one lab in China that makes 99% of the ascorbic acid for 150 companies, and they compete with each other. My ascorbic acid is better than your ascorbic acid, and it's all the same. But it's not real. It's synthetic, and it doesn't have all the moving parts. It's just the cover of the car and no moving parts in ascorbic acid. People have no idea what that means. And so when you get uh, For those who are going to be the uh, Curious Georges out there and and buy the book, there's a whole chapter devoted to why should I stop taking ascorbic acid and why should I stop taking uh, vitamin D. And we've got all the literature and the research to back it up. And what we find is that when people complete the stops, they start to feel really good. And then they begin the starts and they feel even better. And consistently, what we find is that people have more energy. That's what it's all about. So hopefully that gives the the listeners a little bit more understanding about what the focus of the RCP is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Is there a lack of consensus around iron and iron deficiency anemia among doctors? And why do you think this is?
1: Well, they don't know what I know, right? So, um... You know, back to the very first question: What what drove me? I'm a contrarian. I grew up in a household where there wasn't really a father figure, and so I questioned authority from day one. And uh, it it was a rugged beginning, but it serves me well now. So, lack of consensus, absolutely. Because, well, here's an interesting factoid. Back to birth order. What would you guess is the birth order? Of most people who go into medicine? First. Right. Why is that important? Because firstborns do not question authority. They protect the status quo. You have no idea how important that is. They guard yeah. vehemently the narrative. I do what I was taught to do. And so they didn't question, well, how do you make him how do you make hemoglobin? How do you make red blood cells? How do you recycle red blood cells? Well, it turns out, one of the greatest conundrums that I've faced for over a decade is how do you make hemoglobin? It's really important because it's, it's four molecules coming together. And guess what? You cannot make heme without copper you cannot make hemoglobin without copper. And I learned that this morning. Uh, it's, there's a very specific enzyme. D-amine-levelenic hydratase requires copper. That's the enzyme that knits hemoglobin together. You can't put a iron atom into the center of hemoglobin without an enzyme called ferrochelatase. Guess who the crane operator is on ferroculatase? Bink. It's copper. In order to make red blood cells, they need to make enough energy to change from being erythroid progenitor cells into red blood cells. There's a maturation process. Anytime there's maturation in the body, copper's in charge. And so copper is running that energy process. And the second component of of energy product, of, of that maturation process is the red blood cell jettison some iron. It's got to go through an iron doorway called ferroportin. And guess who operates ferroportin? A copper doorman. And this is well-known, but not well-taught. And so then we've got the, the whole dynamic of every second of every day we have to turn over every second two and a half million red blood cells so we've been talking for about 45 minutes times 60 times 2.5 million and that's all happening where in the spleen ding 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 and oh yeah the spleen is working about iron recycling and it's got the immune system coming at loggerheads with it got to keep track of all the bacteria Encapsulated bacteria, especially fungus, viruses, oh yeah, on those parasites. Parasites that cause Lyme, parasites that cause malaria, parasites that cause a lot of problems. Guess where they're supposed where they're designed to be cleaned out? The spleen. Very, very important to know that. And so two and a half million red blood cells a second. Here's the part that will surprise people: is that in 24 hours. Over the course of 24 hours, the body replaces 2 trillion red blood cells. My mind boggles at the size of the numbers. But what will surprise you is that it takes 25 milligrams of iron. Remember, we have 5,000. Only takes 25, that's a tiny amount of iron. And here's what will shock you. 24 of those 25 milligrams of iron come from a recycling system run by copper. And that's where we see it very differently within the RCP than mainstream medicine sees it, which is just, I must give iron, the numbers are low, I don't ask questions. And, and the other part that's missing, the other part that's missing, is they don't seem to understand that Low numbers on an iron test actually mean there's high iron stuck in the tissue. Because that recycling system needs to mobilize that iron and get it back into the blood. And you've got to have copper to do that. You've got to have copper to release that iron. It's the most critical issue. And where is a lot of this at a, at a juggernaut? In the spleen. And when the spleen starts to fill up with iron, it's going to fill up iron and ferritin. And then when it gets really bad, it's going to become hemosiderin. and hemosiderin The difference between ferritin and hemosiderin is the difference between an ATM machine. Iron in, iron out. Iron in, iron out. Iron in, iron out. A bank vault, very different. A bank vault, it's much bigger he- uh, hemosiderin is 10 times bigger, and it requires a combination and a key and a manager. And the energetic force field of hemosiderin is staggering, and it's not measured in a routine blood test. And so out of sight, out of mind. That's pretty much what runs conventional medicine as it comes to iron metabolism. I'm, I I review the markers I was taught, and I ignore the dozen that I wasn't taught. And that's where the breakdown is. is people don't realize, is that the iron in a blood test is not definitive, and we need to we need to dig deeper. And that's what we've done within the root cause protocol.
0: So, yes, let's try to put this into layman's terms so that um, people – because Morley talks on a very high level, and that's because he does hours and hours and hours of research, reading studies. Are you
1: calling me a gearhead? Is that what you're trying to say?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you do it. I'm glad that you brought us this knowledge. Um Let's just talk this through. first of all, Yaz and I have both had experiences with anemic-like symptoms, and we both have had normal to high level of iron at one point and low ferritin. Um, Yaz, your iron was just normal, right?
2: Yeah, normal iron, ferritin, pretty low.
1: We have to be very careful. Excuse me, we have to be very careful. There's, there's three containers for iron. There's hemoglobin. It's a bucket. It's 70%. There's ferritin. It's a teacup. It's about 10%. And there's a thimble, it's serum iron. It's 1%. So they're not all equals. And so you have to really understand where the, where the, quote, deficiency is to understand where the metabolic breakdown is.
0: Mm. Yeah, different. that's a good point. I know you talk about ferritin levels on a conventional measurement being higher than what you would consider a healthy level of ferritin. But so I have seen many endocrinologists because of my thyroid and one of them, you know, I was, I had just gotten off the birth control pill. I was demonstrating a lot of symptoms of anemia and he's, you know, basically said you're iron deficient anemic and he told me to take liquid iron and there was no, you know, I, I had known at the time that liquid iron or iron in general um, could cause cancer or, or other things if it's out of control, which as you know, that's kind of a lot of what we're talking about. And there was no measurement, no instruction about like how long I was supposed to be doing this. And so I just said, I, I, I'd done it, I think, for a month or two to see how I felt. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Nobody's measuring my levels. I'm just, I was flabbergasted that somebody told me here take some iron you're iron deficient anemic and a story right. you just don't have enough iron
1: it is it's an absolute crisis on this planet and i worry about the seniors i worry about young women i worry about pregnant women i worry about children i worry about athletes cuz they're all getting their iron misinterpreted because of this narrative and it's, it's really, um, it's alarming. It's absolutely alarming. Yeah. And again, it's, you know, maybe in, in subsequent conversations we can we can get into a little deeper, but people need to know that that there are these three different containers for iron. And they have vastly different implications. If one is low and the other two aren't, what does that mean? If they're all low, what does that mean? And invariably, it's usually... That the recycling program is not working right, that iron is getting stuck in the recycling program, principally the spleen or the liver; those are two likely places, and that is not being adequately addressed nor taught in doctor school. It's just here's here's what I find really funny. When I was in school, went to Denison where I got my degree in biology. I wanted to be a doctor, but It's like, that wasn't gonna happen. And um, the people that did get into medical school all got A's in calculus. They're really smart with higher order math. And what I've learned over the years is that all of these doctors who got A's in calculus have been reduced to grade school math. They're using a ruler, excuse me, they're using a ruler now to measure iron status when it's one of the most complicated, sophisticated parts of our physiology, you don't use a high-low ruler to measure iron status. It's just not proper and responsible.
2: Wow. And I know Jamie brought up too the the birth control pill. What have you mm-hmm. seen morally in terms of the role that could play on uh, mineral imbalances and deficiencies?
1: It can be huge. Uh, first, you your... <clears throat> There's, there's two reasons why women outlive men. Only two reasons. One, women are smarter. Your Tesla coil has more electromagnetic energy than mine does. That means that's a, that's a compliment. And you have a monthly blood loss for 40 years. You're dumping iron for 40 years. It's a big deal. Some people, 45 years. And that gives you a biological edge over guys who don't dump iron. When women engage in in birth control, and I absolutely respect why they do, and it's important, the thing is, it stops the cycle. And then the iron is not leaving the body, leaving a body that's designed to shed it. Your physiology is designed to have this monthly release of iron and we've been conditioned to think only of estrogen and progesterone when in fact the the woman's body is a roiling sea of magnesium and iron and copper is the traffic cop trying to keep track of all this and people aren't thinking about this roiling sea of minerals that's really behind and the the hormones are important you know i know that but they are they're infinitesimally small compared to this roiling sea. So people aren't thinking about the fundamentals of what drives their monthly physiology, and so it can be very very disruptive. I I had I had a, a client. Um, she was in her fifties when I uh, hooked up with her, but when she was so when she was twenty eight, she had her third child and and it was um a planned. it was it was not a natural childbirth so she was out and the doctor decided to give her a full hysterectomy when she was 28 against will her. will you
0: explain what that is
1: well they took out the uterus and the ovaries which is that's it's called the plumbing right and it's really really important both anatomically and physiologically and endocrinologically, endo, whatever the word is, hormonally. And so she never knew. 28, I get to her, she's around 55. I said, Have you ever donated blood? She goes, Well, why would I? And when I started to explain why, she was in free fall. And then she suddenly understood why she had all of her symptoms. She was wow. very iron toxic, very iron toxic because no one had ever taken the time to explain how a woman's body works. Now, we can take issue with the doctor. That was a rather egregious thing to do. But the important thing is women need to know that your physiology is designed for monthly regular flow. And the reason why you don't like it, the reason why you don't uh, honor it, is because your spleen's not working right and the spleen is what runs the menstrual cycle. I just learned that two days ago. And so, we're back, we're back to this hidden organ that nobody knows about, and it's, it's absolutely amazing. And when the spleen doesn't have copper, it doesn't work right. When most organs don't have copper, the heart or the brain or the pancreas or whatever, the kidneys, but, but the spleen needs copper, because it needs to make energy, because it needs to think. Try to picture keeping track of 2.5 million red blood cells a second, every second, every second, every second. And then we got to keep track of all the pathogens. And no one's explained it in a way that we understood it. Like, wow, that's a lot going on. Think that might've been in play back in 2020. I think it was what the whole crisis was about. So, you know, it's, it's a very sensitive area that women need to be aware of, and especially the whole other side is when when the cycle stops because of pregnancy, then we have a whole other conversation to start up because women who are pregnant are not anemic. They're told they are, but there's very specific reasons why the numbers are low and maybe that's the source of another conversation that we can have around
2: that as well. I just think of all the, the women who are on the birth control pill and then taking iron supplements on top of that. Absolutely, It's just like continuing, you know, further disastrous effects.
1: People don't realize how flawed the logic is behind iron supplements. If I told you the research that was done in the around the First World War, and that it was done on pregnant women. Well, in society, at any given time, 1% of society is pregnant. The other 99% is not. And in a normal course of a pregnancy, hemoglobin goes down. The woman looks anemic. It's supposed to look anemic. Because Mother Nature wants the woman to make breast milk and has to move the hemoglobin to the baby away from the mom, it's perfectly natural. And so, what did they do? They introduced iron fortification to the 99 percent, because they misinterpreted the 1 percent who were anemic. Wow, I'm not kidding. This is this is the League of Nations. In the early 20s, after the First World War.
2: Wow, that's unreal.
1: It's people must think I'm making this up. I'm not. I really am not. I
2: trust and, you. I trust you, but that's so the, just crazy.
1: It is crazy, and so the World Health Organization, the, the the year was it was 2012. Now I think they've updated it to 2018. Now, well, don't you know that anemia is the number one nutrient deficiency on the planet? Oh, my gosh. And yet copper deficiency is the number one nutrient deficiency on the farm, and it has been for 80 years. Now, I can I can document that fact. Iron deficiency? No. It's a misunderstanding.
0: So up to this point, if you're listening and you've experienced anemia symptoms and you know, you're hearing Morley be like, you need more copper. Okay, so if I'm if I'm listening, I'm like, how do I get more copper?
1: Well, you, you want to ideally get the book. If you don't want to spend the money for the book, go to rcp123.org, RCP for root cause protocol, rcp123.org. Donate your email address. We'll honor and respect that. We'll send you a 50-page document that is the root cause protocol. Very simple way to do it, and it will explain everything that we're talking about here. And it, and then what we've got is um, supplement suppliers that are supporting that. Formula IQ has really aligned their whole um, product line around the RCP. And so you can go to Activate FIQ, and they have a very user-friendly form of the RCP, and then explain what, what products you need. So there's a lot of different ways to get it. I'm first and foremost, I'm an educator, so I want you to get the book and learn and read about it and understand it. You know, get it's it's in physical, it's an ebook, it's in audible. You get to hear me for ten hours, yeah, 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 yammer. You get to hear me. You get to hear me say the word Ceruloplasmin a thousand times, and I, I think I did the pronunciation right every time. But the thing is, what I think is missing is a full awareness about how our body works. And we don't have mastery of it within the RCP, but what we've tried to do is really hone in on what are the fundamentals to really allow people the the resilience that they need to deal with their stress.
2: You're the magnesium man. So who best to ask about magnesium? Morley, can you run us through the different types of magnesium, maybe the different use cases for each one, just so our listeners can get a better understanding?
1: So there are four broad categories of magnesium. <clears throat> you have magnesium and water. The, the natural water with the highest concentration of magnesium is in Poland. It's amazing. And so you can go to a local Polish market and you can pick up their Polish water. And invariably it's going to be uh, going to have a lot of bicarbonate, but it's an it's amazing source of magnesium water.
0: Is that technically magnesium chloride?
1: Probably, yeah. But but the thing is, it's um, immediately bioavailable. As soon as it goes into your system, your just your body just pulls it right out. So magnesium waters. Then we have transdermal. You know, they say that we evolve from the sea. Well, what's one of the highest concentrations of magnesium on the planet? It's in seawater. Much very high concentration of magnesium in the water. So you've got magnesium oil, which is magnesium chloride oil. It's, it's dehydrated seawater, and it's not really oil. It just feels slimy, but it's very hydrating, if you will, uh, for that mineral. And then you've got Epsom salt, which is uh, magnesium sulfate. And that really is from uh, River Epsom in England. And uh, farmers just happened to notice that as cows gravitated to a certain area of grass that was near this river, and they seemed to produce really great milk. And they finally studied it. This is a long time ago, and discovered the, the, the healing properties of um, uh, magnesium sulfate. But we have a third form. It's found in food. Technically, anything that's green has chlorophyll, and what does chlorophyll have at the center? As magnesium. So the molecule for a chlorophyll and the molecule for hemoglobin are virtually identical. The difference is magnesium in chlorophyll, iron in hemoglobin. And, and there's actually a form that has copper in it, and people can get chlorophyllin through their chlorophyll. So it's just another form of uh, copper. But uh, anything that's green should have magnesium, especially the like beet greens, collard greens, you know, vegetables of that sort are really rich in, uh, in magnesium. And then the fourth category, which you were focusing on there in your list was the chelated forms. And there are about 25 different forms of, of magnesium. And the, the two that I think are the most bioavailable, there are many that are bioavailable, but particularly bioavailable are glycinate and malate. And they're just very easily picked up by the body. Uh, and I think people get a lot of benefit from those forms of, of magnesium. But like in Europe, in Germany especially, they, they prefer orotate. In England, they like gluconate. You know, they, there are many different forms out there. Three eight is very popular. Uh, they have a really good PR program that says that that's the only form that crosses the blood brain barrier. That's not true. All forms of magnesium do. But that three and eight form seems to have a particular uh, propensity to do that, and I think it's important for people to know that there is a difference in these chelated forms. The ones I encourage people to shy away from are magox. You know, it just it doesn't have the punch that you want it to have. You're you're getting uh, in a magox four hundred, it only you only absorb four percent, so you're getting sixteen milligrams, which is not it's it's a joke. What you need is five milligrams per pound body weight or 10 milligrams per kilo, depending upon where you live and what metrics you use. And I'm not a big fan of um, magnesium citrate. Citrate is naturally occurring in our body. I'm not a, I'm not a Luddite, I know that. But in a uh, manufactured format, uh, it's also a, an inhibitor of ceruloplasma.
0: Because it, of the ascorbic acid, right?
1: Well, ascorbic acid, but also the citrate molecule. This goes back to 1968. Um, Dr. Osaki at Florida State University published an article, Citrate, the Endogenous Inhibitor of suuloplasmin." Now, we can argue with the age of that study and some of the conditions. But when I come across studies like that, they bring me pause and say, maybe there's other forms that we can find. And that's, the, fortunately, we have many, many other options that I think people need to be using besides the ones that are the most popular.
0: So I was told to take magnesium after I had my, I've been taking it before that, but after I had the hair mineral analysis test, Mm -hmm. it was clear that I was magnesium deficient. It's actually interesting because Yaz and I were looking at my test when she came here and it shows on the test, like you have a ton of magnesium. The bar is going off the the charts but that's means that your body actually is uh, releasing it into the hair uh, meaning that you don't have enough so it's kind of counterintuitive to somebody who's just looking at it and doesn't know what they're looking at but anyway so i was told to take you know six seven hundred milligrams probably um correlating to my body weight but i was taking magnesium oxide and i didn't even know Mm -hmm. that there were different types of magnesium i went to the store and got a supplement this was i had had one from the past it probably wasn't even a good quality supplement and i was like well you know magnesium's magnesium i'm going to take this and it, and it wasn't very effective and so i think finding one that is that works for you is the most important part and but, that just yeah. being aware that there are different types um, because so many people aren't so i've found success with magnesium chloride recently i started taking that i bought a lotion which listed that it had magnesium chloride brine in it so I would assume that's just another form and then I had a question for you Morley about Epsom salt baths because mm-hmm. there's something you mentioned in your book about our water is not very clean there's fluoride in it tap water mm-hmm. and so I started taking Epsom salt baths to get more magnesium I'm kind of doing a, a trifecta right now I'm doing some Epsom salt baths I'm doing the lotion I'm taking yep. my magnesium. I actually just started um, three and eight, which is working mm-hmm. well for me. Because as I told Morley before, the glycinate didn't work for me. It actually yeah. affected my sleep, which apparently happens for some people. It um, does. But yes. do you think that Epsom salt baths are, are helpful or hurtful when you're using tap water?
1: Oh, I think they're helpful. I mean, we can we can um, beat each other up about the quality of the water, but um, <clears throat> I think that. The Epsom salt bath is amazingly restorative. It's just, just such a wonderful detox, uh, especially for women who are pregnant. You should be doing an Epsom salt bath like every night. You you have no idea how much magnesium you're burning through if you're pregnant. It's completely overlooked in conventional uh, birthing practices. But no, I think Epsom salt would be fine. Your other option is the magnesium chloride oil, and um, that can be tremendously beneficial as a transdermal and you're taking the magnesium chloride. I don't know that I've ever done that, but that doesn't mean you you can't. I just think there are other forms that might be more bioavailable or might, a little easier uh, on the system, but it's an ancient form of magnesium. So that, that has a lot of merit to it.
2: Yeah, you had a
0: question about PTSD mm. relating to magnesium.
2: Yeah. I wanted to know, and just for the folks listening who have anxiety, high stress, maybe adrenal problems, PTSD, what would be the magnesium you would suggest?
1: Well, I would definitely be working with all four different kinds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you need a full court press. <clears throat> when I, One of my uh, first clients had suffered from PTSD, and all she could tolerate was one drop of magnesium chloride oil on her tummy. Wow. And it took her six months to get to the point where she could spray multiple sprays and really begin to uh, appreciate it. Think of, a, think of a parched plant that's dried out. The worst thing you can do is water it. What you do with a parched plant is you put it in a dish of water and then allow the roots to pull it up from, from the bottom. And that's what you have to do with magnesium You have to really go slow. And I think transdermal is probably more effective than uh, the oral forms. And then if you can t- tolerate the food forms, I think that would be very, very helpful. Um, what you want to do is is start low and go slow. Mm-hmm. The problem we've got is that people who are uh, chronically ill and have been for a while, <clears throat> they want to get well yesterday. The body doesn't work that way. You've got to really honor the uh, time frame that it took to get to this state of imbalance And you're gonna reverse it. You're not gonna do it not gonna take as long, but it is gonna take longer than you want. And you just you really need to set your sights on a more realistic. If you've been sick, every year you've been sick, it's a month of recovery. So you really need to honor the the time frame that it took to get to your state of imbalance to then begin to reverse that.
0: Yeah, that's me. I'm guilty of that. No, when you're saying that i'm like (laughs) that's me i'll try you know too much at once and like you said it's it's hard on your body you need to go low and slow and i was having sleep problems recently and so i just reintroduced magnesium because i had previously taken citrate as well i had read isabella wentz's adrenal transformation protocol was getting my adrenals in order and citrate was what she recommended so i again didn't really know the differences So transitioning back to magnesium, I think, you know, I probably should take things slower. And I think that's a really good call out for people. And
1: and the other thing you need to do, Jamie, and this is true for most of your listeners, if they're dealing with symptoms, there's a niggly fear in your psyche because you're tired of being out of sorts and you get afraid that you're going to be this way the rest of your life. It's a very natural sensation. And fear is a magnet for iron. And I spell fear differently. It's F-E hyphen A-R. That way you see the words iron attracts rust. And that's what fear does. It's really very uh, destructive. and People don't think about the, that uh, emotional side of their illness affects their physical side and vice versa. And so we have to really be mindful of the emotional churn that's taking place within our psyche that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to deal with it, we're all guilty of that. But it, at some point it needs to be breached in order to allow the true recovery to take place.
2: If I use a, a transdermal magnesium spray... Because I use it sometimes on the bottom of my feet before I go to bed. And sometimes, if it's not on my feet and it accidentally gets on my legs, it itches. Is that normal for uh, magnesium on the skin?
1: No, you're 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 broken. Don't you understand? Oh, help me, Morley. Yeah. A very common reaction is when people put magnesium chloride oil on their skin and they it really itches. It's like a histamine response. Oh, okay. It means you're iron toxic.
2: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, your eye I'm toxic. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. So, so what, now I need to focus so on the, the copper. Because so yes, um, what yeah. color is your hair? Brown. This color.
1: Brown. It's pretty dark.
2: Yeah. Don't look down here. This is fake. But up here is a dark brown.
1: Okay. Well, the darker the hair, the more melanin it needs. And, and this this was research. In, done in Japan back in the 60s. I have not found it yet, but I will. But it was written up by a animal farmer named Pat Colby. She wrote four books. I actually wrote quite a few books, but four in particular. Uh, natural Goat Care, Cattle Care, Sheep Care, and Horse Care. Any animal with black hair and dark brown is close to black. I don't have Black hair. I I do have hair, but it's not it's not dark. But any animal with black hair needs more copper. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, how much more copper? What would you guess is the amount of additional copper that someone with black hair, like Asian, Spanish, you know, African, you know, think of the cultures that have black hair. How much more copper do they need?
2: Like one and a half times more.
1: Okay, Jamie, what would you say?
2: Let's go bigger.
0: I'm going to say (laughs) twenty times more.
1: Okay, so it's in the middle. It's six times more. Wow. Six times more, which is a staggering amount.
2: Wow. Okay, and then I had one last question: If my mom is a twin, because we were talking about parent, like the parents and the lineage, if my mom is a uh, a twin, what does she was going to be a triplet, but then I guess one absorbed the other. What does that mean for me?
1: Do, do you know whether she was born first or second?
2: Uh, she was born first.
1: So she got the goods.
2: Oh, okay. Sweet. Yeah.
1: Usually, <laughs> usually the older twin is more dominant, gets a better download. Uh, there's a reason why the, old, the old, uh, why the more dominant comes out first because it's more ready to come out first.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: So That's really um, cool. It, it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time, but it's more like 98, 99% of the time. But um, no, uh, as it relates to your mom, um, depending upon where the twins were in the birth order, you know how many mm-hmm. more siblings were there before them. Um,
2: mm-hmm. So, and
1: it depends on what your mom's stress level was when she was carrying twins.
2: Wow, yeah. okay, that's good to know. So if, she, if my mo- my grandmother had a few children before the twins, Right. And they she probably offloaded a lot of her nutrients and good stuff to those mm-hmm. the boys before her. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Interesting. It's,
1: just, it's a very natural mechanism to to document where did the minerals go in our family?
2: Yeah, that, I love that. I I love learning things like that. I think it's really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> very, very simple stuff.
2: Thank you so much for being here, Morley. We really appreciate you taking the time. We are going to end this episode here. Morley has such great information and we do not want to hold him to just one episode. So we will be bringing him back for a part two. In the meantime, cheers to a healthier, happier you. And we'll see you in the next episode.